Hi, welcome to my podcast. This is Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels, and this is Q&A number 80 on 2-22-22. That's right, February 22nd of 2022, and I um, this is actually a group for my virtual coaching group on Facebook. So I'm going to answer all your questions from the week, but first I want to welcome some new members, Lindsay, Penny, and Morgan from Florida, and Elizabeth from Texas. Today's topic is going to be understanding your horse. Um, and our number one goal when we're training a horse is to have a calm, confident, happy horse. And we're going to get into that uh, and kind of going with the idea of chapter seven of my book, Common Problems and TLC Solutions. But I will tell you, you can avoid problems if you do what I'm going to tell you in this topic from the get-go to build yourself a calm, confident horse. It's always going to be better for you if you take the time it takes on the front side, then it's going to be smooth sailing on the back side. So uh, with that said, um, there's been a few challenges and videos posted in the group last week and this week. So make sure you scroll through Generally on Monday, I'll try to do something motivating. Tuesday, something on groundwork or maybe horse tack or horse care, nutrition, something that, you know, overall holistically how we should be doing things for our horses. Um, You know, Wednesday, I try to do something on dry work or drills. Um, Thursday, I'll try to do something on the barrel or pull pattern as far as tuning or you know, more meat and potatoes details on such in the turns and position and spots and all of that. And then Friday, focus more on the mental game. And then the weekend, you're all off barrel racing or enjoying your family time, etc. So um, I think, you know, something to consider, you know, for all of us is if anything, the last two years have taught us being in the COVID pandemic is, um, is the lesson of adversity. So while well, we had a lot of personal bests, Um, already for February. I think there's 17 names on the prize drawing for February for um, the personal best. A lot of you this weekend, I've actually done about 30 videos and I have about five more to go. And um, a lot of you had personal best. Uh, Some of you had your fastest time in an arena, that kind of stuff. And then some of you are struggling and you're kind of feeling down and out about it. So, you know, that's, this is anything worthwhile isn't going to be easy. It's going to take a lot of practice and, you know, you'll get what you put into it. And that is really important. Um, You know, foundation, going back to basics, that has to be the root of your program and and putting in the time and the effort. So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. But if anything um, I could share with you is adversity. I don't like change. And I don't know too many people who like change. I had a pretty much the same routine for my life for almost, you know, 25 years. I, I knew what who I was, what I was, and where I was going with it. And then the last five years has been nothing but change for me. And I had to learn how to pivot it and change my mindset. And, you know, sometimes you have to pray about it and open up yourself to uh, other opportunities and see what comes of it. And then, you know, really make a list and write down where your heart is and what brings you joy and follow that. I know for me, um, going through a divorce after 
24 years of marriage and 26 years together. And then my son going off to college and, and another state and then moving to another state with his career. Um, those are huge changes for me. I was always a trainer and then did clinics and lessons. But then once my hip got injured and I couldn't train outside horses anymore, um, and I couldn't do the surgery because of the way life is right now for me on my own, I had to pivot my business. So two years ago, I started this virtual coaching group, and it's been a blessing. We're over 100 members now, and in two years, 131 have signed up, and 103 are still in the group. So it's been a, an, an awesome blessing, and it's replaced the horse training as far as my income, but it's also kept my passion and my uh, my drive and my goals alive, my dreams, because the last, I, I was able to close the chapter that I was a trainer for 25 years and I'm going to be a coach for the next 25 years. And, and I'm good with that. I'm happy doing clinics and lessons and, and coaching virtually. And, and it's a time that COVID taught us we can work from home, right? COVID taught us that we can virtually coach people and that we can virtually work and, and all of that. Is there still a time for clinics? Absolutely. Is there still time for one-on-one -on -one private lessons and training and such? Absolutely. But I really think that a lot of you can get a ton out of the virtual coaching just by watching my instructional videos, by letting me see your small training videos, uh, letting me see your competition videos. So it's really kind of fun and cool. So, um, so I guess that's what I'm trying to tell you is that, that we, um, you know, we have to learn lessons from life and a lot of the writers in here that are struggling, um, you know, just remember that we're here, you know, to learn, you know, I think God has a gift and a purpose and a passion for all of us and we have to follow that and, um, and it's not always going to be easy and it's always, and there's always going to be work that's involved to get where you want to go. But, but in, in the end, we have to realize when we're working with horses, we have to have certain principles. We can't get hurt. They can't get hurt. We end calmer than we begin. Um, and we always set them up for success, like a good teacher in school would for yes answers. And um, we try to make the wrong thing difficult where they have to maybe try it and do it a little bit longer and the right thing easy. There are horses that we have to be firmer with, you know, and we have to watch and, and know each horse. And I'm going to get into that more with the topic. But before I do that, I do want to give some shout outs to some riders in the group. Uh, Pamela and Cowboy had a personal best fast time. Uh, Kaylee, Ann and Jesse, a personal best fast time. Vanessa and Hunter, a fast time personal best. Uh, Amy and Eli, a personal best fast time. Rita with her horses, uh, two of them, Quana and uh, Tiger. Beverly with her horses, Lightning and Biscuit. Lisa and Easy. Danielle and Ash. Um, there was just a lot of personal best this week. And I want to make sure you guys, um, I know you're out there. And for those of you that are still working, that's okay. That's all part of it. So I did a podcast on being, it's 11 minutes long. So go ahead and listen to it. But it's about having confidence as a beginner or maybe confidence when you get a new horse or even confidence when you're going to the next level of competition. So be sure to listen to that because in order to do well, we have to be calm and focused and confident. And that's hard to do if you're not experienced, right? Or if you don't 
um, feel that way. But mindset is everything. I actually saw something I thought was really good on Instagram from Sherry Servi, and she was at a big rodeo, an indoor building rodeo. There were shadows all inside there, and and I think her horse's time, it was like her horse's third or fourth pro rodeo. And while she was waiting to warm up, she had uh, her mind go, what if my horse sees all the shadows? What if my horse does this negative thing? What if he can't handle this pressure? Maybe I shouldn't have entered him. And then she quickly, as quick as she had all those negative dark thoughts come in, she knew the horse would sense it. That's how seasoned Sherry Servi is, obviously. And, you know, here she is, this world champion, been to the NFR, you know, what, a zillion times, and um, at least 20, probably. And um, here she still can give herself self-doubt, and she, but she's smart enough to know that that's going to affect her, it's going to affect her horse, and it's going to affect your outcome. So she quickly made her mindset that her horse was going to handle it, that she was the horse wouldn't see the shadows, that the horse was going to be focused on her and what they were getting done, what they needed to get done, and it was going to go well. And it did. It went really well for her. So that's how strong you have to keep your... Um, how strong you have to keep your mindset. So I just wanted to mention that and go ahead and listen to that podcast. If you get a chance, it's a really good one. And then, um, I also want to talk about my, uh, youth riders. I've, I have a lot of youth riders in the group and also in private lessons. And actually my March 5th clinic, um, I'm having 12 riders come and it looks like about, uh, eight of them are going to be high school and junior rodeo um, riders. So with that said, I know youth riders, you're busy with school and friends and other activities for school or, or family, etc. But try to make sure you get those horses ridden three times a week minimum, at least 30 minutes. Because here's the thing, if you don't, it's not going to go well when you go to a lesson or on the weekend to competition. So um, really focus on your foundation, on your rider's cues, on rate and collection for your horse, on soft hands, riding with your seat and your legs. Really focus on that. Um, in order to improve, we must, we must know what we're doing wrong and how to fix it. So, but you also need to be happy with any small goal that you made and realize it's brick by brick. So we can go through our runs and say, wow, I should have finished this barrel better. I should have done this. I should have done that. But you know what? Also give yourself some grace and say, wow, my first barrel was smoking or my horse was calm and confident today or, you know, find the good. Don't just pick on the bad, you know, just find a balance. When you send me a video, I try to point out things I think you're doing great. And then I try to give advice on things you're doing that you could do better. I know you're not paying me just to be your cheerleader. You're paying me to coach you and give you constructive criticism. But again, it's nothing that I don't believe in you as a rider or don't believe in your horse. I absolutely 100% see the potential in all of you, all of your horses and all of you as riders. So you have to see that potential as well. But remember, if you don't work, if you same with my horses, if I don't ride them for a week, they're maniacs the next week. So, you know, I, I like to make sure I'm, I'm exercising them at least every other day to make sure that they're focused and, and paying attention. You know, these are flight animals and they need to have a, a work ethic, you know, and you can mix it up your schedule. You can have one day for dry work, you know, lunging for respect on the ground and maybe desensitizing 
And then one day go on a trail ride or one day just do back to basics dry work, uh, you know, bending and flexing and suppling exercises, um, collection, suppleness, you know, just that kind of stuff. And then maybe one day do a drill and maybe do slow pattern work and then you'll have your competition on the weekend. So make it a fun schedule. It doesn't have to be boring. You don't have to drill, drill, drill. Um, and then base it, of course, on what your horse needs from you. So the next thing is understanding um, why horses do what they do. So this question was, you know, a rider was kind of frustrated with their horse. So, you know, every horse is unique. Some are really playful and friendly. Um, you know, some are more worried and don't understand their job. Some are in pain. Um, so, you know, you just have to really focus on their weaknesses and work on those during the week, but also acknowledge their strengths and develop those as well. A lot of times we can look at rider cues, we can look at position and arc and spots. Um, all of those things make a difference, you know, like attaching your rein hand to their hip or working with a, a leg and a hand cue together, um, using your body correctly, looking at your spots correctly. All those things matter. Uh, so the question, the next question I had was about, um, why my horse doesn't feel snappy in turn. And, you know, here's the thing. A lot of riders don't release their horse in the turns. They pull on them. And when you pull on a horse, they're going to pull back. And that's not going to be a snappy turn. If you watch the very best of the best, like even when my horses had their best runs, they're, even Rocky, who doesn't know anything, is just loping the barrels. They know from consistent training that it's easy and hurry out. And they know I ride two hands, usually between the barrels, or even if I'm riding one hand, as soon as I uh, sit for rate, they know that means easy in. And then as soon as I put that hand down to start the turn, that's they know that's when they get to snap that barrel. And then I drive them out. And then I start hustling out. So the release of the rein and the turn is how the horse gets snappy. The release is the reward. That's where the horse gets to go easy in, hurry out. They know the fun part's coming. Relax in, hurry out. That's where the horse gets the cue of turn cue. And a turn cue is not pull the reins. A turn cue is sit down, release the rein, and then turn your body to your quarter turns. Look and ride your quarter turns. Let your horse work. Don't tell them what to do. Don't force them to do it. By this point, your horse, whether you are loping on a colt, that's why I want you to ride one-handed around the barrels. Because if you're riding two hands, you're always going to be micromanaging and doing their job for them. And we don't want to do that. Okay, so, so the topic for today is um, our number one goal. Our number one goal is to have a calm, confident, happy horse. Um, we don't want to uh, have, okay, see, so here's the thing, common problems that we see at shows, those problems aren't going to arise if your number one goal is met. And that number one goal should be to have such a solid foundation on your horse that you've developed a confident, calm horse. And then um, you won't have problems develop. It's like putting the cart before the horse. People are running barrels without a solid foundation. They're going fast before they can do it correct slow. Um, 
it, it honestly, I can't tell you, is it going to take you 30 days, one year, 60 days, 90 days? It takes the time it takes and every horse is a different level. So you could spend 90 days just on basics and getting a horse soft and supple and collected and, and doing everything they're supposed to do. And by what I mean to supposed to do is that they give to pressure, move away from pressure. You can get their face flexing left, right, and down at a stand, a walk, a trot, and a lope. Um, you know, they can do nose in, nose out drills. You can do um, lateral bending circles, counter arcing circles, vertical collection circles. You can do transitions from a fast walk, slow walk, post trot, sit jog, fast canter, slow canter. You can do circles, all sizes, all speeds with speed control, not just fast trot or fast canter, but a slow jog collected, a slow lope collected. They can bend in the rib cage. You have shoulder control. You can pick up that shoulder, bend that rib so that your hind foot is up underneath them and their hip is in and under with the pivot foot. All of these things are super important to a horse being successful. So uh, they have to know their leads in a straight line or circle, um, loose rein, whoa, backing, rollback, side passing. You know, all of these things are super important. And if and during the week, you should go back to basics. If you have a hot horse, um, look, I've ridden, you know, probably 1,500 horses in the last 20 plus years. And, um, and they're all different. Some are hot, some are scared, some are lazy, some are nervous, some are rude and pushy, some are really green, some are amazing and just smart and sensitive and athletic. Um, there's all different kinds of horses, you know, and some have more of a flight instinct. Some are more, you know, not scared of things. Some want to be in your pocket. Some are, are rather be left alone. You know, every horse is unique just as people are, but you still need to have a line of um, communication through cues established. You still have to have that bond of respect and trust developed on the ground that will flow into the saddle. And like I said, you have to have buttons on these horses, fancy buttons, if you expect to go fast 30 miles an hour and then slow to 25 and rim barrels. Um, you can't do that with a horse that doesn't understand. And I see that a lot. I see people taking them to shows and they don't even turn a barrel because they can't even do a small circle correctly. And you're going too fast without that foundation. So, and then there's those of you that are 1D pros, and these are small things that you have to change, like when to bump your horse, when to ask for something, maybe changing a position on the pattern, um, you know, maybe finding a better saddle or bit that maybe helps you just feel a little bit more in line with your straight lines, stand them up a little better, or, um, you know, just little cues of like just even more inside leg in the turn, hugging them to bend that rib cage as you go around. You know, the details start to happen a lot more refining as you're more uh, experienced, but it's a lot of the basics in the beginning. So, so all of it is super important. And um, that's something I think everybody should strive for. So if your main goal with a horse is to have a happy, calm, confident horse. They can go on to do anything, whether not just barrel racing. They can go be a trail horse. They can go work cows. They can be a, a jumping horse, an obstacle horse, you know, um, whatever you need them to do. 
And that's why foundation and basics matter, especially if you sell them, because a horse with a solid foundation is going to be happier because they're going to be able to go into homes. I have people sometimes come here to my farm and they have a million excuses for their horses. Well, they were abused. They, they don't like whips. They don't, they don't like, they, you know, they make excuse after excuse. Oh, they don't know how to lunge on a lunge line. You know, you can't make excuses for your horses. You know, you have to help them. You have to help them learn. You know, you can desensitize a horse that's had a bad, bad life and, and teach them that, you know what, not all humans are awful and that these are just extensions of my arms and these are just tools and, and it's okay. We can teach you to have control one step at a time, you know, and now mind you, will they revert back sometimes if they're scared to becoming pushy or maybe if they're scared to becoming flighty? Um, absolutely. It's not something that's going to be an overnight success and you do have to be cautious and, and, and safety all the time with horses, they're flight animals and they react by fleeing when they get scared. So we do need to pay attention, you know, to our surroundings. And when things are changing, even more so pay attention to our, our horse and how they're responding. Um, you know, it just, it is important. So that you pay attention to that. So I'm going to go ahead and discuss chapter seven, a little bit about common problems and TLC solutions. Um, but like I mentioned, if you start a horse slow with a solid foundation, most of these problems will never, ever happen. A lot of times problems do stem from poor basics, poor riding, or pain possibly somewhere. It can also become from overpressing them emotionally and not seeing it coming until it's a huge problem. Horses t try to whisper and talk to us, but if we don't listen, they start to yell and scream at us. And you don't want it to come to that point. Um, if horses are listen are talking to you, you need to listen to it. But if you ignore it, it they're going to start showing you in big ways you should have paid attention. So there are little ways you can pay attention to a horse. Um, do they pin their ears when you're grooming them? Or do they act up when you uh, tighten their girth? Um, how do they stand for the farrier? Are they stiff or have trouble picking up one leg for a farrier? Um, no one knows your horse as good as you. Spend time with your horse. Bond with your horse. Know them. Lunge them and know what's their normal gait, you know, how they move, what's normal for them. If they're not acting normal, get a vet check, get a chiropractor, get a massage, something. Do things for them. Watch how they move in straight lines and circles with a saddle, without a saddle. Know what is normal for your horse. Their habits around the barn, um, their habits when you haul them. You are the one who spends the most time with your horse. You're the one who's going to know your horse. And if you have to write it down, I see so many clients that I, and I just can't possibly remember everything. So I have a folder for every single client and I make notes in it. So I'll remember little details for the next time I see them. I find that really helpful. So one common I see a lot, one common problem I see a lot is shouldering and hitting barrels going in. Most often horses that hit a barrel going in are thinking that rate and turn happen at the same time. Some people will say they're cheating you, but sometimes anticipation can come from riders' cues. You know, a rider looks in when they sit down, they lift their rein up. 
Uh, they look down the horse's neck or they look at the barrel. Oftentimes a rider sits and drops their hand before the barrel causing it. Um, so that can be why. Sometimes it's pain and sometimes it's poor training, like you've letting them get away with being really stiff and counter bending or you've been cheating and pulling on that outside rein and now it's a really bad habit. Um, all of those things can cause it. Um, and sometimes riders don't even realize that they're doing it. And then they send me a video and, the, and I put it in slow motion, zoom in, and they're like, oh my gosh, it was me. I caused this. So you will definitely have to re-educate a horse like that and separate rate and turn. Another thing you could do is really get them laterally bending, really get control of that nose in and that shoulder up and get those ribs out and you do that by using a lot of inside hand and leg shaping, give and take, give and take, and weight in the outside stirrup. And really look at the circle, not the barrel, as you work around a barrel. Um, some of it has to be done away from the barrel if you really can't get control. But you really have to learn to separate rate and turn. A lot of people don't know how to do that, and that's really important. Um, I mostly see second barrel hit because that barrel is difficult. You have to move over. You have to swap leads, and it's usually a barrel on the fence, um, and it's a full term. So that's the barrel that most people have to ride more assertive to for that very reason. And you should always be focused um, three to five feet to the side of the barrel and three to five feet past the barrel with your focused eye, even at the fence if it's a really, really um, uh, claustrophobic feeling type arena. So your rate spot will usually happen about one stride from the barrel. And then that's your first strider rate. Your second strider rate will happen at spot one. But with a real push type horse, you may have to sit up all the way to spot one and not go to the horn until you're in the hole. Um, so that's a possibility too. Um, these are all things. But again, away from the pattern, um, work on doing uh, lateral circles, spirals, where you can put them in and put them out, large, medium, and small circles with your inside hand and leg. Um, you can do in and outs on the barrel pattern where you go to your normal arc and your normal pocket, but then two strides out, you move them out to maybe a five or six foot pocket going in on the backside and finish three feet, um, you know, and really get that lateral bend to them and let them know that, you know, we need fluidity. Another great thing is all lefts, all rights. Um, that's in chapter five, it's number six. Um, and the all lefts, all rights, you can set up three barrels like a triangle or four barrels like a square and work like it says, do all the barrels, you know, maybe five feet off the barrels at a walk and a post trot sit jog, um, sit jog around the barrels, post trot between. And then you can also do even 10 foot, um, make it a little easier on them, around the barrel at a lope as well, all lefts, all rights. That's going to teach them to gut their hind end all the way because you're going to go one and a half times around each barrel before you go to the next one. So that's a really good drill to do as well. So keep that in mind. Um, a horse does have to rate before they turn even a push horse. But the thing with a push horse is they already rate themselves down. So they need the rider to sit up and keep that fluidity going. So a really, um, a horse that's got a lot of stiffness, they get stiff and sticky in the turns. You want to do a lot of circles during the week that you're using flex and fluidity with or without a barrel, big circle, small circle, the D pattern, all lefts, all rights. Those are all great to do. And like I said, you can do it without a barrel or with one. 
Um, the idea is keeping them flexing and keeping them fluid, fluid. And that's the lateral bend to the inside as well. So the next thing I see a lot of is no rate or strung out in the turns. Um, that, that will show up in your foundation. If your horse cannot break in the pole vertically and um, shorten their stride, shift their weight to their hindquarters and have a collected walk, a collected jog, as well as lift their top line, um, that's where you need to begin. You need to do transitions from a post trot to a sit jog just off of your seat and your legs. Um, you can back it up with your hands as needed. Uh, you should be able to lope small circles. So again, spirals um, would be great for that. You know, anytime we're looking at um, no rate, it's going to usually be on first or third barrel. First barrel is a three-quarter turn, but you come to that one with the most adrenaline. So position and rate are really important on that one. You've got to know when to sit, when to say, whoa, if they don't respond um, or easy, you can do a two-hand check. Um you know, and, and you can do a one hand check, but they need a little bit of help. But if they don't know how to break in the pole or shorten their stride from seat and rein, that's not going to mean diddly squat and competition. So you have to teach it in your basics during the week. So if ever you're having rate issues, check your brakes, do loose rein, whoa, backing, rollbacks, um, you know, lope a circle, stop, roll back, go the other way. You've got to have, um, what do they say? All go and no woe is no fun. So keep that in mind as well. So never doubt the first barrel is your money barrel. If you have a great first barrel, you can have a great winning run. If you don't, you're playing catch up the rest of the time. Um, we've talked about alleyway and launch pad issues. That's certainly something to be concerned about. And launch pad, there could be five reasons alleyway start. Rider nerves, horses nerves, uh, pain, uh, going too often pushing them before they're ready, um, respect, you know, there's a lot of reasons alley issues happen. You need to gate these horses. Sometimes just go gate on every drag and let them sit there and relax. Make sure there's no hot spots uh, that the alleyway and the launch pad is not a hot spot for them. Horses that overbend their face and swing their butt, these I call rubberneckers. These horses you need to practice during the week, keeping your hand on the middle of the rein, even doing one-handed drills, but keeping your hand on the center. And then when they need help, you just bring your hand back and you don't work on lateral bend with this horse. You work on riding with more seat and outside leg to keep them in. A lot of times horses swing their butts because riders pull on the inside rein too much and they're just getting the head and the neck and swinging the butt. If you're having a problem with that, don't focus on the hand cue. Work more with your inside leg to keep the shoulder up and out. If the shoulder's up and out and the ribs are out, the hip's going to be in automatically. Focus on shoulder and rib cage out and the hip will always be in. But if you only grab the horse's face, you're certainly going to float a hip or a shoulder away. So keep that in mind as well. You barely want that eye to the inside on a rubbernecker. You need to stay on the center of your rein, not the side of your rein, and that will help as well. Sometimes rubbernecker horses, you have to ride two-handed longer until they learn to be more balanced, but it could very well be from a rider cause. So spirals is a good one to fix that, as well as fluid circles like the D pattern. That would be helpful. Ducking off and breaking pattern, you really need to rule out pain for this one and then pressure. Um, but if it's not pain or pressure, then it could be a one-time thing, maybe depth perception, maybe rider cue, um, maybe they got 
scared. I, my horse duck pattern Briscoe once in her life. And it's because we went to Lakeland Pro Rodeo and she saw monkeys in bling outfits smiling, riding border collies. And they jumped in the truck right in front of us right before our run. And she came uncorked, turned first barrel, went back to the alleyway, never made it to second. So she's never ducked off again in her 15 year career, but monkeys apparently riding dogs with a little bit too much for her. <laughs> so anyways, um, if it's a one-time thing, just you know, go back and do slower, take them to the next show, go slow and easy, get their confidence back. But if it happens two or three times, you've got a bad habit and you need to figure out why it's happening. Um, sometimes it can happen when you go into an indoor arena versus outdoor arena because of depth perception um, or pressure. So really look at your videos and pictures, see if it's a rider cue, see if it's saddle fit, see if it's pain, anything like that, pressure, but get it under control. Um, hitting barrels leaving. This usually happens. Um, a lot of people say, oh, my horse is just really working. I would have won it if I hadn't hit a barrel. Well, if you hit a barrel leaving, you're taking a shorter course anyway. So, of course, you're going to be faster. We have to leave them standing. So, um, rollback horses are really bad about hitting barrels leaving or really compact little horses. So, with that horse, you really got to focus on riding to the exit spot three. You really got to focus on flex and fluidity and riding four-wheel drive all the way around that barrel. So keeping your hand low and forward, not lifting it up high, chest high, low and forward, you know, along their, their mane and forward, driving with your legs, riding the middle of your horse, looking between their ears, a quarter turn ahead, as well as, you know, using your legs or clucking and riding spot one, two, and three all the way around. You got to get to spot three, especially on second barrel and stay four-wheel drive. If ever you're going to hit a barrel leaving, it's usually going to be second because it's the hardest barrel, the full turn. Third is the easiest because it's a half a turn. And um, those are all things to consider. Single barrel, all lefts and all rights, funnel barrels, all those can be really helpful with that. Um, you may even have to put your inside leg in the back cinch. Um, use more inside leg, spot one and spot two, or even in, kick that hip out a little bit because those rollback courses are so collected. You need to keep them a little bit more four-wheel drive. So you may have to continue to cluck and drive with your feet through the turn so they don't um, pivot and but yet stay four-wheel drive um slicing barrels and blowing out wide that often happens at third barrel um, you might need to rate earlier but ride square really focus on riding in the hole three to five feet to the side of the barrel help your horse collect and make sure they get to spot one and two if they slice it they by looking in they'll often sometimes anticipate that barrel um and then they'll not finish their turn. If a horse turns a barrel too soon, they'll often blow off wide on the exit because you have no pocket on the backside and then they blow out wide. So uh, it can also be caused because a rider's not sitting back and helping them on their pivot spot either. All of these things can happen. If you have no woe going home, you obviously have brake issues. So go back to basics on that and then make sure you don't run your horse home all the time. Sometimes go slow home and make sure they stop and back up at the end. If you teach it right from the beginning, this again won't ever happen. So perfecting your timing in competition, shaving off that last half second is probably the hardest thing to do, but the most important thing to do. The difference between 2D and 1D sometimes can just be that fire between the barrels and those tighter turns. Change one thing at a time, like maybe give them a cue for a little bit more sin from the alleyway. 
Um, there's a lot of little details that you can do. If you read my book, there's some details about that in there. And um, the horse has to be extremely athletic to handle rate and turn all at spot one. Most horses are going to try to rate um, a hair stri- hair earlier, like one stride from the barrel. But the really athletic horses can really handle um, full speed to the barrel and rate down one stride before the barrel and then turn um these horses have to be super solid in their their foundation and your timing has to be just right. And that's something we're all going to strive for, two strides of rate and two strides around each barrel. An athletic horse with a rider who's super solid and has the motor on a horse, has the horsepower, you can get in the 1D by doing this, by having a solid foundation and only two strides of rate and two strides around each barrel. So it does come down to detail. It comes down to having just the right amount of fire and just the right amount of turn. So running and rimming is absolutely the game. So, um, you know, just, just be aware, the more you know your horse, the more connected you, to your horse you are, the better. So my final words are with every new speed, you may have to adjust your timing where you rate your horse. And as you build their confidence, it should always be done with consistency and repetition. That's how they're going to get confident. But in the beginning, make it pretty. Go for pretty. Go for smooth because smooth is fast. And that's what's going to build your horse's confidence and team build you two as a, as a confident team. Education with speed is key for you and your horse. You've got to have a great foundation and you should only add speed as things are going well. If things start to fall apart, slow down. Get it right again. But remember, seasoning takes time. It can take a year to season horses to different arenas, ground conditions. Also, getting a tough mindset for both of you to be emotionally and mentally calm and focused. It's not just mechanics. There's a lot that goes to it. Mindset's a big part. You have to have a never give up attitude. You have to be willing to embrace the good parts of your run and learn from the bad parts. Um, Be patient, never give up. And remember, the journey is the reward, you guys. It's not the saddles or the buckles. When you're older and you're looking back on your life, it's going to be the memories and the connections and the journey that you had with your horse that's going to be the best part. Anyway, so I'm going to close with that. I think we can always learn something from everyone we meet and every horse we ride. Um, I'm always eager to meet new clients and horses, and I'm always open to learning from every horse and rider that I meet. Um, I want to say how important perseverance is under pressure. God gives us lots of trials in life and in barrel racing. We have to believe that God is in control and that God has a plan, an intention, and a time for us. And we have to trust that, that that God knows everything about our future and our life, and that, that we just have to trust in God's, uh, in God's timing. Um, we need to be specific um, in purpose for our trials that we have with God. We need to understand that either God has sent them to teach us something or has allowed it to teach us something. I believe we're on this planet to learn learn to love, learn to, to, to learn what we're supposed to before we go on to heaven. We are here. Um, we are here for that purpose. I believe we're not here for our own selfish needs. We're here to learn to love and, and learn to do things the right way. Um, in, in my opinion. So I really believe we need to respond to our daily, um, adversity with faith and, um, 
and the lessons that it's going to teach us. Maybe it will strengthen us. Maybe it will strengthen our faith. Um, maybe it makes us a better servant to God. Maybe it makes us more Christ-like. Um, but anyways, anything that happens in our life, we just have to understand we need to count our blessings. For me, I count my blessings that I'm a full-time coach, that I have a small ranch that I love that's paid for, that I get to enjoy my horses every day and my dogs, that um, after you know 25 years of one life, the last five years, I've, I've been able to pivot and find my way of, of having a simple and peaceful life that I'm happy in. Um, God's grace and power will always bring us to a better outcome if we just pray on it and trust in God and have faith in that. So thank you for tuning in to this podcast and I hope everybody has a wonderful week. I can't wait to see your videos of training or competition. And as always, God bless and ride with heart.